Hi, I'm Bill McMurdo and this is Speak to the Nation. Let's look at something vital in these times. This subject is actually vital in any time and certainly has been historically for God's church throughout the ages. Even going back into the Old Testament, you see, history, Bible history, and just plain old history is really all about the history of governments or kingdoms. And we've had the empires of old, of Daniel's vision, Babylon, Media, Persia, Greece, Rome, and so on. And God's people have suffered at the hands of wicked governments. But there is a divine solution to the problem. And we're going to look at the problem and we'll look at the solution. I preach on this all the time. And you've maybe heard some of my messages on it. But, you know, it's so vital to keep speaking about this because people need to get this message. And a lot of, a lot of Christians are a bit fuzzy in their thinking about exactly what it is we're supposed to pray about and exactly what it is we're supposed to oppose. And, you know, we, we, we can be engaged in so-called spiritual warfare. And, you know, you can, you can be hitting some licks in on the devil, but you're not really penetrating the system that is against us. There is a system. The Bible calls it Leviathan, Babylon, Babylon, um, the beast, all these things. And yes, there are different uh, manifestations in time of it. The Bible speaks about eight beasts. And, you know, depending on where you are in the, the timeline of history, you're dealing with, with one of those beasts. But the key thing is, is that there are principles and when I say principles, I, I mean spiritual laws, if you like, that govern these things. In other words, we're not helpless. Now, saints have been martyred. The disciples, the early apostles, they were martyred. Paul was martyred. And it's happened in history. Great men and women of God have been slain for their testimony. It's just part of being a Christian. Not every Christian is called to be a martyr in that sense. But every Christian ought to be ready to be somebody who will lay down their lives. You see, it says in Revelation that they overcame the evil one by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and that they loved not their lives unto the death. That last part is very often left out, particularly at this time, with all this corona stuff going on. Christians are so... Some Christians are just so terrified that they're going to lose their physical life that they'll do all kinds of crazy things like succumb to the spirit of fear, bow down to corona and even take this dreadful vaccine. Now, I, I want to read the, the problem and then I, I want to give you the solution, okay? Second Psalm, Psalm 2. Why do the heathen rage? I'm reading from the King James and it uses that old word, heathen, but it just simply means the nations, okay? 
Why do the nations rage and the people imagine a vain thing? Now, that's planet Earth right now. That's where we are right now. We have the nations in a tumult, okay? And the people imagine a vain thing. That word imagine is the word meditate. People are meditating futility. You know, all kinds of uh, responses to what's going on are taken by people. Some people, you know, they stay in the house, they they they, they become hermits and recluses, or or they, they binge watch and they or they watch a lot of rubbish and and plug into social media in a negative way. People meditate things of futility. Why do they do that? And even following the protocols of this COVID pandemic so called they're really just following their leader's instructions. And we're going to look at that because it says, why does this happen then? Here's why. Here's why planet Earth is in the state it's in. Here's why the nations are in a tumult. Verse 2, the kings of the earth set themselves. And that means governmental rulers and leaders set themselves. That means they take a position. They take a stand. What is that standard? It says, and the rulers take counsel together. Some translations say that they conspire together. They engage in a conspiracy. You need to understand something, that conspiracy theorists, you know, people throw that label around because they want to discredit people who point them to the truth. Some conspiracy theories are a bit wild, a bit nuts, a bit extreme. But many of them, are based on what God's Word says, in some form or another. Even people you might think are a bit crazy, they're telling you what the Bible tells you. See, I don't think there's a conspiracy theory, or there's a conspiracy, sorry, because of I, I watched a video on YouTube, or somebody told me on Facebook. I believe there's a conspiracy because the Bible says there's one. Amen? It says the rulers take counsel, they conspire together, against the Lord, against Yahweh, against God, the Father, amen, and against his anointed. Now we would say to be against the anointed is antichrist or antichrist. And you know, that's speaking about Jesus, and we see that as, the, as the, the psalm goes on. But I also believe it's speaking about the saints of God, the remnant saints. See, I, I, I've come to realise that my message is for a remnant, that God has called me to speak to a remnant of saints because there's a rump of saints that, that just don't, don't want to listen. Jesus said, many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, do we, we'd cast out devils. We were doing miracles in your name. And he said, depart from me. I never knew you. That day is referring to the day we live in, the end time. And he says, I didn't know you. Because he didn't do the will of his Father who is in heaven. Notice it's the many. We're talking a remnant here. We're talking a remnant, folks. So it says the kings of the earth, the rulers, they take counsel, uh, they conspire, they're engaged in a conspiracy against Yahweh and against his anointed. That's Jesus and it's also Jesus' people. 
the remnant saints, and they saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. Now, what was he talking about here? Well, there's a couple of things that answer that in, in the Bible. Okay? We don't even need to speculate. Psalm 149, if you just want to turn there, Psalm 149, and it talks about a very similar scenario concerning rulers, concerning uh, those kings of the earth, or, or nobles, or, or what we would call governmental people, governments. Psalm 149, and it says in verse 5, Let the saints be joyful in glory, let them sing aloud upon their beds. Now, I just want to say this very quickly. This marries the supernatural with the natural. Or in other words, it's natural to be supernatural. And I'm not Sid Roth. <laughs> I'm just saying. He's talking here about the saints being joyful in glory. That's supernatural. You ought to be a, a glory realm living, glory realm conscious person focused on things above but it says let them sing aloud upon their beds in other words this is just an everyday thing for us to walk in supernatural realms to walk in governmental realms god has called his remnant ecclesia to be a governmental assembly on the earth ecclesia always meant that but in this generation in this day it's time for us to walk in it now watch this it says let the high praises of god be in their mouth that means a deep-throated yell. That, that means you're, you're a serious believer. You're not just playing games. You're not just you know, singing nice wee choruses, but that you are really praising God, praising God to the extent that it impacts atmospheres. It shifts atmospheres. It changes uh, communities, cities, nations. Now watch this. And a two-edged sword in their hand. That two-edged sword... Uh, the, the word two-edged, of course, means two-mouth, okay? Uh, particularly in the, the Greek, you read it, the, the two-edged sword is distomos, and that means two-mouth. You see, this book that we call the Bible, the Word of God, it's only effective as a two-edged, two-mouthed sword, should I say, when you and I add our mouths to what God has already said. In other words, the word of our testimony. We testify that what God said is accurate, is true, is right. We put it into our mouths and say we have what we say because we say God's word. Then it becomes a sharp two-edged sword, a two-mouthed sword. All right, why would we do that? Why would we do that? Here's why. To execute vengeance upon the heathen or upon the nations. Vengeance? Amen. And punishments upon the people. In other words, our job is to keep nations and peoples uh, under subjection, to control them, to rule them, to dominate them. Now, I don't mean that. Of course I don't mean it. But I, I prefer the, the phrase to have dominion. Dominate is, is not the right kind of exercise of authority. But nonetheless, we're supposed to do it. Now, we don't do it out of a haughty spirit because we do this as people who ascend the hill of the Lord. You can't go up there proud and arrogant and conceited. You have to be humble. You have to be 
meek and lowly of heart like Jesus was. You see, we're called to rule, but we're also called to serve. We're called to sit on the throne with him, but we're also called to worship before the throne. You have to have that in your heart, both things. You see, if you're all worship or bowing down before the throne, then you are prone to having this beggar mentality. A lot of Christians, Lo, Lord, we beseech thee, but they don't have any, not a dominion in their heart. And you need to be a dominion-minded person, as he is, so are you in this world. So, a two-edged sword in the hand to execute vengeance. In other words, your Bible is given to you to have dominion over nations and people. Not to be the punch bag of the devil, not to be downtrodden of those nations. Your your lot, your your portion is not to be downtrodden. We ought to be like the Puritans of old and the Reformers and the Covenanters and people of previous generations who understood that even although they're always in the minority, always a remnant, that their job is to have dominion. I want to tell you this, I want to say it straight. Your job is to have dominion over the nations and over the peoples, or else this word. You know, Jesus said, think about it. In the Matthew 28 Great Commission, go and disciple nations. Go and bring nations into subjection. To what? To him. To his word. To the kingdom of God. Preach the gospel the good news of the kingdom. What do you think that means? If you think it just means, well, you know, we'll get folks saved. We'll get some healings. We'll do some street evangelism. Come on. He's talking about subjecting nations to the rule of the domain, the dominion, the kingdom, which means the domain of the king, of God, of Jesus. In other words, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's taken over. Not in a proud way. I need to keep emphasising that. Because a lot of folks can hear this and go, oh, well, yeah, it's my job. To, uh, and, and, you know, we're not called to be control freaks. We do this in meekness and submission to him. Now, it says here, to execute vengeance upon the nations, punishments upon the people, Verse 8, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. To put bonds and cords and restraints upon national rulers, upon governments. We're not answerable to governments. Governments are answerable to us. And we have to have that right relationship of church and state where the state gives obeisance to God and respects God's ecclesia, respects the people of God, seeks out the people of God for advice, counsel, wisdom, prayer, and, you know, for the word of God, a prophetic input. Are governments doing that? Well, Donald Trump did it. That's why the deep state hated him. That's why wicked people sought to pull him down because he sought the counsel of Christian leaders. But, you know, that's God's pattern for this. 
And it would be great to have some Christians in government. It would be great to have a, a Christian Prime Minister, a Christian President. But, you know, it's not about, is the President born again? Is 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 the person in number 10 down the street, you know, are they a Christian? <coughs> Much as that would be wonderful. God is looking for obedient leaders. We'll see that in a minute. To execute upon them, verse 9, the judgment written, This honour have all his saints, praise ye the Lord, praise ye Yahweh. Now, what he's saying here is this isn't the job of pastors or national leaders or the director of such and such a Christian organisation. This is the job of every saint to police their government, to police the governments of the nations and to take dominion over the nations and over their peoples by God's word, by meditating his word. You know, meditating God's word is the key to success. You know, Joshua was told when he took over from Moses, you're not getting a power rod like Moses. Moses had this rod and he could do miracles by it. But God said to Joshua, you have to meditate the word day and night. That will make you a success and, and, and that will help you rule a nation. Think about that. National rulers should be meditating the word. But, you know, because they don't, because they won't, somebody has to do it. And that's you and I. That's believers. That's remnant saints. So, go back to Psalm 2. And it says that the rulers, are the nations are in a terrible state because the rulers don't like these cords and restraints put upon them by Christians. They don't want to follow God's rules, God's laws, God's principles, the word of God, they don't want to uh, listen to saints and Christian leaders telling them, you can't do this, you can't do that. Not in a way that is uh, control freakery, but saying, you know, we have to have nations governed by God's word. They don't, they don't want to hear that. They want to make their own laws. That's why they, they, they desperately try to marginalize the church and the input of the church. He that sitteth, verse 4 of Psalm 2, in the heavens shall laugh, Yahweh shall have them in derision. God's response to the tumult in the nations is to laugh at these characters. Now, I, I'll be honest with you, I'm trying, you know, I try to emulate that because it's so easy to get pretty scared or pretty depressed at what's going on all around us. But we really need to be people who are seated in the heavens. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places, so we ought to be laughing right along with God the Father and Jesus. But it's not all laughter. Because it says in the next verse, Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. In other words, he's getting angry. Then his response is to say this, Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. Now we know this is messianic. So he's saying, I've already determined who will be ruler among you. You know, you hear a lot about, uh, the, a lot of these world rulers want to dominate the world. China, Russia, you know, Putin, uh, maybe uh, uh, some American people or the president is the leader of the free world, and of course we have the Pope who claims to be the the uh, the ruler of the earth. But you know, 
Vlad says there's already that position's filled. Thank you. I, I, I've already filled that position. No need to apply. I've set a king upon my holy hill of Zion. You know, he's not really saying thank you, if the truth be told. But you understand what I'm saying? He's saying I've already filled this post. Because it tells us in Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, that Jesus is the ruler, the prince, the governor, the boss of the kings of the earth. You say, well, you know, Jesus, he's up in heaven. Um, you know, the second coming's not happened yet. He's not ruling until he comes back. No, 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 that's not true. Yahweh reigns over the earth and Jesus is at his right hand. And the kings of the earth are answerable to him even although he's not returned. And our job is to remind him of it. He says here, I've set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. Yahweh hath said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen or the nations for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. The nations belong to Jesus. There is inheritance. And People who are in government, rulers, kings, they're actually holding these nations in trust and custodianship and stewardship. They're stewards, that's all they are. Thou shalt, verse 9, break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, that is serious talk. Okay? Now, we're not talking here about the second coming alone. Of course, there's an aspect of all this when Jesus comes back to claim his inheritance, when Jesus has to deal with those who will rise up against him. But I believe there's an element of this that's applicable through history because this has happened throughout history. And I believe that God is saying to us as his saints, as his church, and guys like John Knox... Guys like Calvin, you know, Martin Luther even, reformers, covenanters here in Scotland, Puritans in England, and other people, of course, even in America, uh, saints of God there, different places, have risen up against, you know, the magisterial reformers. They, they took control of cities or, or, or principalities uh, in Europe by going to the magistrates and virtually commanding them to bow the knee to King Jesus. Then they would, Geneva is a perfect example, as a city, a city-state that became under the dominion of the saints. Now, what, what, what I'm trying to say here is this, is that throughout history, men and women of God have answered the call, seen their role, think about the Puritans in England, to take dominion over the nation because they were dealing with uh, tyrannical, despotic and corrupted forms of government normally kings uh, back in those days uh, look what it says here uh, be wise verse 10 now therefore O ye kings be instructed ye judges of the earth ye government rulers ye government officials receive instruction Serve Yahweh with fear and rejoice with trembling. In other words, your first duty as a governmental ruler, 
as a king, as a noble, as a prime minister, as a president, here in Scotland as a first minister, all the ministers of state, and that includes civil servants too, elected officials, appointed officials, all of them, and of course even, especially here in Britain, our, our monarch, our queen, who is anointed, serve Yahweh with fear. Fear the Lord and serve him. That is an instruction to governmental officials. And here's what I'm trying to get across to you here. Okay, and this verse, this next verse will back me up. Wicked governments must be brought down in prayer. Governments that will not obey this, governments that when you pray for them, we're commanded to pray for them, First Timothy chapter 2, we're commanded to pray for kings and all that are in authority. But what do you do when these kings and those in authority harden their heart? You have to pray them down, pull, pull them down from office. Go read Isaiah chapter 22 and you'll see how Shebna was uh, shorn of his office and his title and his place and his ministry and replaced with a man, Eliakim, who God says, he shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and, and to the house of Judah. God is looking for fathering leaders. So we need to replace wicked leaders with godly fathering leaders. And that's your job and mine in prayer, O saint of God. Simple as that. And it says here, verse 12, Kiss the son, or embrace the son, worship the son. This is instruction to governmental rulers. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and ye perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. But a little. Only takes a little bit. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Wonderful stuff. Amazing stuff. And you know, let, let, let me just close this off. I, I want to just uh, finish this off by reading uh, these verses. Uh, and just a little bit of thought on them. Revelation chapter 1. And it says here, we've, we've referenced it, but let's just read the verses. Revelation chapter 1, and it says in verse 5, From Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead. Now, we deal with Jesus. We, we engage with him in our, our lives, our prayer lives and so on. And in our teaching, our doctrine, our theology, we, as the faithful witness, he's faithful, he's true. As the first begotten of the dead, he's the resurrected Christ. But look at this next bit, it says, and the prince or the governor, the ruler of the kings of the earth. That is an aspect about Jesus that needs to be unveiled for people, uncovered. That's why this is called the revelation of Jesus Christ, not of the Antichrist. Okay? If you read the revelation, of Jesus Christ, the last book of the Bible, looking and reading about the devil and, and, and you know, the Antichrist and all that. Well, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ, verse 1. It's an unveiling. And here's how we're supposed to see him now as the prince of the kings of the earth. That's the revelation. He rules now. How does he rule now? Well, let's read on. The Prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. This blood gives us access. We're washed in the blood. He loved us 
and he washed us from our sins in his own blood. You, you need to be a blood-saturated, blood-soaked Christian. If your Christian walk or life is not in full consciousness of the blood of the Lamb, then you're not going to be an effective Christian. The blood of Jesus gives us access. The blood of Jesus makes us perfect and entire, wanting nothing. The blood of Jesus perfects us. To what purpose? Verse 6, And hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. In other words, we are made kings and priests through the blood of the Lamb. We are brought into the Melchizedek order, the Church of Philadelphia, the last days church of dominion in the earth and revealing of the glory. God wants to make you and I portals of glory. Why? Or how should I say? To what purpose? That's what I really mean. To the purpose that we understand that we manifest kingdom authority as his ecclesia, his governmental assembly. We manifest it in the earth and demonstrate the lordship of Christ, that he is not just lord in heaven up there, you know, you know lord of angels, and, you know, <laughs> he's lord here. He's lord here. He is the ruler of the kings of the earth, and we need to slap them down when they go up against them. Not, not again in that uh, haughty, arrogant way, but in the way that we, we we remind them that they must serve the Lord with fear. They must serve Yahweh with fear. They must bow the knee to Christ. They must worship the Son, not reject Him. And if they don't follow that principle, brothers and sisters, remnant saints of God, let me say this, we must pull wicked governments down in prayer. And by prayer I mean decree and declaration and proclamation and and supplication and so on. You are here to exercise kingdom authority as a king and priest of the Melchizedek order by speaking upon nations and governments in particular and rulers uh, in particular that they must obey the voice of God, the word of God, the law of God. And, and you know, that... Uh, they must learn the lesson of Nebuchadnezzar that God's kingdom is everything that they must obey him that they must serve him that the most high ruleth in the kingdom of men that is the lesson that is the revelation that Jesus is Lord, Jesus rules, our God reigns, Jesus is Lord. It's enough to get you regenerated, to use those words. If you confess Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved, you'll be born again, you'll be regenerated, born from above. But we need to begin to speak Jesus is Lord over nations, over peoples, over rulers, and bring them to heal. And I use that phrase very deliberately, bring them into subjection to the one who sits at the right hand of the majesty and high. The Lord bless you folks. This has been Speak to the Nation here and you know you can get access to stuff on billmcmurdo.online. Uh, just go to the website, you'll get access to YouTube channels, blogs, 
or a blog, uh, you'll get access to uh, stuff there, free free ebooks on these matters. Fathering nations, get get that uh, ebook. Get wielding the scepter. Get these books that speak of what we're talking about now. Our job is to deal with governments. Remember that Paul. I don't want to get into this too long. I'm going to uh, call a halt here, but. Paul wasn't just sent to his own people or to the nations or the Gentiles. He was also called to kings. You and I are called to deal with kings. It's a vital part of our ministry in these last days. Let's do it, brothers and sisters. The Lord bless you and speak to you soon on Speak to the Nations.